A faithfulness that endures, you know, even when we are faithless, the Bible says he remains faithful. You thankful for that kind of faithfulness tonight, church? Amen. I also want to thank you for your faithfulness to the house of God, taking the time to come and sit at the master's feet, not at my feet, but at the master's feet, for choosing the better portion, allowing God to sow his word and his seed into your life this evening. Amen. For those of you that haven't been with us, and even those that you have, those of you who have, uh, I want to pick back up on our series concerning kingdom living. We've uh, had a break in, or so in between. We had water baptism last week, but I want to uh, pick back up on our series concerning kingdom living. Tonight I want to talk about the favor of a king. And before we go there, I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer and ask him, as always, to bless me and bless you. How many of you know we can't be blessed enough by God? Amen. So let's just go one more time. Father God, we just thank you for your enduring love. We thank you, Father God, for your faithfulness that endures from generation to generation, Lord God. And we are the generation that is uh, blessed with your favor this evening, blessed with your goodness this evening. But God, we just pray for your anointing, Father God, for the anointing of your Holy Spirit to be in this place tonight. God, I pray as always that you would anoint my mind and that you would anoint my lips, that you would anoint my body with strength and power, Father God, and my spirit with the power of God. 
that I would be able to bring forth with clarity and with understanding, God, without any opposition, the words that you have sown into the soil of my soul. I pray first, God, that you would apply these words to my life as, as, as they are brought forward. And then I pray, Father, that you would open the ears of your people. Give them ears to hear, Father God. Give them hearts that are willing to listen. Then give them spirits, Father God, that uh, have the courage to just apply those words to their lives so that we can all be blessed by the King. We just thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this evening, the opportunity to praise you and magnify you and just enjoy your presence. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. We are going to pick up, like I said, on the series concerning kingdom living. For those of you who haven't been with us, what this series is all about is what it really means to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. What it really means, church, to be citizens of the kingdom of God. We all may be citizens of the United States, but there is an unbelievable privilege and responsibility concerning the citizens of the kingdom of heaven and citizens of the kingdom of God. And that's what this series is all about teaching us what it means to be sons and daughters and how we can receive every benefit there is concerning citizens of the kingdom of God, that there are some responsibilities that we have in order to, to receive the blessings and the promises and the power of those kingdom. I know that we have missed a few weeks, so I want to take a few minutes, church, not to bore you, but I want to take a few minutes to get us back to where we left off, uh, because we are to be stirred by way of remembrance. And I want to just try to cause you to remember some of the the um, travels that we have taken, some of the word that we've brought so brought forth so far. But so far in this series, we have looked at the principle of priority. In other words, the very first thing that we have to understand concerning kingdom living is that we've got to have our priorities straight. We've got to have our priorities in order. First things must be first. Right things must be put in the right place. And the very first responsibility we have or the very first priority we have concerning the kingdom of God is to seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness so that all the other things that we have need of can be added unto our lives, church. Without a lot of heartache, without a lot of struggle and without a lot of striving, if we if we have the right priorities established in our lives, church, then the kingdom of God is able to come into our lives without opposition and without hindrance. This is one of the things that we need to understand. When we talk about his righteousness, we're talking about his established standards for our life. That's what the word righteousness means. Therefore, when it talks about seeking first the kingdom of God... Uh, and his righteousness, it means that on a regular basis, we are to seek the established standards God has for our lives. Every single day, we are supposed to ask God, okay, God, what do you want for my life? Every single day, you're, you and I are supposed to go before the Lord and ask that our priorities are set in order by the King of kings and Lord of lords so his kingdom can come into our lives. The second thing that we looked at was the government of God. And what that had to do with church is making sure that we are governed by the king. If you and I call ourselves citizens of the kingdom, then what we must understand is that we have to be governed by the king. We've got to be governed by the king of kings and the Lord of lords in order for his kingdom to move on our behalf. In order for us to benefit or receive benefits from the kingdom, we must allow ourselves to be governed 
governed by the king. We must make sure as sons and daughters of the Most High God that the government of God has been established in our lives. We talked a little bit about some, some of the verses in Genesis where the Bible tells us that before the government of God was spoken upon the earth, before the government of God was released and established on the face of the earth, the Bible says the earth was without form. It had no shape, and it says it was empty. And the reality is, until we allow the government of God in the same way to be spoken into our lives and to be established and released in our lives, our lives just the same will be void and they'll be empty. They, they won't reflect the kingdom of God, in other words, and they will not contain the blessings of the kingdom of God either. This is what we need to understand, that without the government of God holding our lives together, our lives will be a mess. Without the government of God holding our marriages together, our marriages will be a mess. Without the government of God holding our families together, our families will be a mess. Without the government of God, and I don't mean to be repetitive, but without the government of God holding our finances together, our finances are going to be a mess. The reality is the government of God is the very thing that holds our lives together. And without it, our lives, church, will devolve into complete chaos. Look at the public schools that have taken the government of God out and they have devolved into chaos. Look at our government that's trying to take the, the, the government of God out. It will devolve into chaos. Look at any society, including our own, that begins to reject the government of God and it will devolve into complete chaos. It's a reflection of our life. The very thing will happen. Pastor's been preaching about the end times and the rapture. I want you to understand that when the rapture takes place, the government of God is going to leave. And complete chaos will take place upon the face of the earth. That's what our life will be without the government of God being established. That's a principle of kingdom living. It is having the government of God, not the government of man, not the government of the, the church of God, even though it's biblical, not the government of some denomination. I'm talking about the government of God being established in our lives. And when it is, the kingdom of God will come. This is a truth that we need to understand, church. The last time that I spoke on kingdom living, I talked about the concept of a king. And the reality is, when it comes to a kingdom, everything in that kingdom is owned by a king. A kingdom is not a democracy. You and I need to understand, we're spoiled here in America. We're spoiled because our government revolves around our desire and our will. But that's not the way the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God doesn't operate around my will or your will. It operates around the will of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the reality is, so often we as Americans, we get lazy. We think the kingdom of God operates like our government where we have a say in what the king should do do. It doesn't work that way. What we need to understand when it comes to a kingdom is that we have a king and he is ruler. We don't belong to ourselves. We belong to the king. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the Bible says. 
in the New Testament even tells us that you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. If you call yourself a son or daughter of the Most High God, you don't belong to you. You belong to the King. If you want to say, yes, amen. If you call yourself part of the kingdom of God, guess what? You don't belong to you. You belong to the King. And you and I are to glorify the King in our lives. That's some of what we've learned so far that will bring us to where we are. Understand, if we don't, uh, if we don't uh, have these truths that I'm talking about established in our lives, you can forget about the favor of the king. You need to understand, if you want the favor of the king in your life, you better have your priorities right. You better make sure you got the government of God established in your life. You better understand that you don't belong to yourself, but that you've been bought by God. And the last thing you better understand is that there is a word that is above every word, and that's the word of the king. Not just the government of God, but the word of the king as well. That's one of the last things that we looked at, which in our case is the word of God. And what we have to understand about kingdom living and the concept of a king, church, is that the word of the king is the only and ultimate source of authority in the kingdom. The only authority in the kingdom of God is the word of the king. Not the, not the word of man, not the word of some great philosophers, not the word of teachers, not the word of politicians, not the word of society. It is the word of the king. You can throw out everything else if it opposes the word of the king. You can throw out every other word, no matter how intellectual it might sound, if it opposes the word of the king. This is what we must yield to, the word of the king. This is what we must walk according to, the word of the king. This is what we must obey. It is the word of the king. This is what we must cherish and understand and learn and study and pursue and seek after. It's the word of the king. Because when the word of the king is established in our lives, his kingdom and his blessings will come. What you and I need to understand is that in every area and and step of our life, we must yield ourselves to the word of the king. We can't walk in our own understanding. We can't lean on our own understanding. We can't walk in our own wisdom. We can't walk according to our own knowledge. We can't listen to the worldly uh, words of man. We must yield ourselves to the word of the king church. If we claim to belong to the kingdom of God, then the word of the king must be the last word and the final word in your life. The last word and the final word in your life in every area of your life. You must weigh it against the word of the king. Is this what the king wants? Is this what the king said? Is this what the king allows? Is this what the king has released into my life? Is this what the king has said I can do? Is this where the king said I can go? Are you understand what I'm saying? And when you do those things, the favor of the king will come into your life. That's what we're going to look at this evening, church. Understand that the word of the king is the only word that contains the power of the kingdom. You can go out there and speak uh, every word you want against your enemy, but unless it contains the word of the king, you're going to be beat every single time. You can go out there and speak your own words of wisdom against the enemy and out there in this world, but the world will overcome you and the enemy will overcome you. Jesus himself overcame by the word of his father. And yet you and I think we can overcome without it. You and I think we can overcome without the word of the king. We think we can overcome and leave our, book, our Bible at church or leave our Bible in the back seat of the car or leave our Bible up on a shelf without ever opening it and using it and applying it in our lives. We cannot overcome without the word of the king, church. It's the only, listen, it's the only word that moves the king and his kingdom on our behalf. 
Your tears, understand, and I'm not going to get all theological, but your tears and your whining and your moaning and my complaining... None of that's going to move the king or the kingdom on your behalf. The only thing that will move the kingdom on your behalf is the word of the king. Start speaking the word of God over your life. Start speaking the word of God over your marriage. Start speaking the word of God over your finances. Start speaking the word of God over your Goliath like David's did. And say, today you will be brought under my hand. This is what we need to understand is the word of the king. Is the ultimate and only source of authority that we are to exercise in our lives as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Yet we think we can conquer without it. We think we can succeed without it. We think we can drive away darkness without it. We think we can mend marriages without the Word of God. We think that we can slay our Goliaths without the Word of God. We think we can go through life and find spiritual success without the Word of God, but we can't, church. It is the ultimate and only source of authority that we have to overcome. And yet we treat it like it's not that important. We must have the Word of God, church. Remember, when we speak outside of God's Word, we speak without power. When we speak outside of God's Word, we speak without authority, we speak without anointing, we speak without influence, we speak without wisdom because the foolishness of God, the wisdom of man, the Bible says, is like the foolishness of God. So when we speak in our own Word, our own wisdom, our own our own motivations, we speak without power, we speak without authority, we speak without anointing, and nothing has to obey. But when you begin to speak the word of the king, everyone that hears it must obey. When you begin to speak the word of the king, every enemy must bow down. That's why one day will come that every knee shall bow and every tongue will shall confess because they will be hearing the word of the king. That's the power that we have. This is, this is how we enjoy kingdom living in our life. This is the king's language. And most of us don't even know it. This is the king's language and the house of God is filled with individuals that don't even know the word of the king. They don't even know when he's talking, don't even know when he's speaking. They're listening to Phil and they're listening to Oprah more than they're listening to the king. They're getting advice from from the creation instead of from the creator. And they wonder why they can't find favor from the king. Amen. This is what it means When I'm talking about kingdom living in the word of the king, understand that one of the truths the church must grasp is that when we move outside of the word of the king, we do so at our own risk. When you and I move outside of the command of the king, we do so at our own risk. I know all of you or most of you have probably been to places where there's swimming holes and swimming pools, maybe the beach, maybe the ocean, maybe a lake, maybe a river, where there's a sign up there that says, swim at your own risk. It means there's no one there to watch after you. It means there's no one there that has an obligation to protect you. It means there's no one there that has an obligation to rescue you should you go under the water. And the reality is when you and I walk in our own ways and we walk against the command of the king, we are sinning at our own risk. The reality is we're stepping out in our own risk. We're swimming in the seas of rebellion at our own risk. And God has no obligation to rescue us. God has no obligation to pull us out. I know that doesn't sound like God, but I'm going to show you scriptures that prove that out. 
God's love will always be with us. But we can put ourselves in positions, church, where he's not obligated to protect us or provide for us. And I'll show you that as we go. The reality is when you and I break the royal contract, we can't expect royal treatment. When you and I break the contract of the king, you and I can't expect blessings from the king or favor from the king. We've got to conform ourselves to the contract that he has written for you and I. Listen, like I said, the the, the kingdom of God's not a democracy. We don't write its constitution. God already wrote his constitution. God already wrote his bylaws. God already wrote everything that needed to be written concerning the government of God. And we got to learn to yield to it. We got to learn to obey it. We got to learn to give ourselves to it. Most of us don't obey it because we don't even know it. But we need to learn it, church. When we're floundering in our own folly, we cannot expect the favor of the king, church. Listen, when the prodigal son was out living for himself, he could not lay claim to his father's favor. When the prodigal son was out living life unto himself, he could not lay claims to his father's favor. What you need to understand is that when the prodigal son left his father's house, he left his father's ring behind. The the very ring that distinguished him as his father's son. And the reality is when you and I go out into this world and sing, sin and attach ourselves to foreigners and foreigner lands, we do so without the ring of the father. The ring represented the favor of the father, the power of the father, the authority of the father, the provisions of the father. And when you and I go out there in the world and we attach ourselves to foreigners, We do so without the Father's ring. We do so without His favor. We do so without His blessings and His provisions. You see, what you and I need to understand is that when the prodigal son went out living for himself, the Father's power and the Father's privileges were not there. The son could not lay claim to his Father's name because he was out living unto himself. His father, he could not rely on his father's influence to get him out of the situation and the slop and the mess that he was in. The only way that he could find his father's favor was to get up out of his junk and make his way back home. The only way that he found his father's favor was to repent over his sins and make his way back home. Understand, please listen to me. His father had no obligation to provide for him while he was in that pig pen. His father had no obligation to pay his bills while he was out living unto himself. His father had no obligation to bail him out. His father had no obligation to wire some money via Western Union. His father had no obligation, church, to bail him out of prison. His father had no obligation to pay the price for his misdoings and his misdeeds. You see, the reality is we have a father that has paid for them, but we can abuse that sacrifice that Christ made. We can walk away from that just like the father, just like the son walked away from his father and find ourselves in a pig pen separated from the favor of the father. What you need to understand, church, is that the father's love never left his son, but his favor did. His father's, the the father's thoughts Never left the son. His compassion and his concern for the son never left. They went everywhere that the son went. No matter where the son was, listen, the father's heart cried out. 
No matter where the son went, the father's prayers cried out. No matter where the son went, no matter how low he went, the father's heart was with him, church. But his favor could not go there. Because listen to me, the favor of God will not follow us into filth. The favor of God will not follow us into the center of sin. The favor of God will not follow us into darkness. It won't follow us onto the internet when we're looking at pornography. It won't follow us to the street corner when we're picking up what we shouldn't be picking up. It won't follow us where we shouldn't be going. His spirit will go and continue to prompt and continue to lead, but his favor will not go there. Won't go into the darkness, church. Because if it did, listen, if God's favor followed you wherever you went, you'd never repent. If God's favor followed you wherever you went, you'd never come to your senses like the prodigal did. Listen, the reality is the father allowed his son to become so separated from his favor that it drove the son to his knees. The father had enough connections that he could have reached out. The father had enough wealth that he could have sent it his son's way. The father had enough insight to know exactly where his son was, but he allowed his son to go so low so his son would fall to his knees and come back home. God does the same thing with us. He allows sin to separate us so far from him that we become empty inside and end up in want like the prodigal did. Listen, if God blessed you in the midst of your sin, He would trample over the blood of His own Son, Jesus Christ. If God blessed disobedience, then He sent His Son to the cross for no reason. And His his blood would be as, as worthless as ours. If God's favor followed you into your filth, church, you would never have a change of heart. You'd never change direction and you would be eternally separated from the Father, church. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul, church? The harsh reality is the prodigal son could have died in his sin. Hope you're listening. The prodigal son could have died in his sin, separated from his father. And the truth is, you and I can too. I know there's a lot of people out there. They believe in eternal security, but it's a lie. There's a lot of individuals that believe out there that once you're saved, you're always saved. I'm telling you, according to Scripture, it's a lie. Anyone, anyone can die separated from the Father. Anyone can die in their sin. The prodigal son is the ultimate example of that. The prodigal son could have died without the Father's ring on his finger. I hope you're getting that, church. No one is beyond what could have happened to the prodigal son. Separated from the favor of the Father forever. Forever. And this is what you and I need to understand when it comes to the favor of the king. You're not going to find it in a pig pen. You're not going to find it fooling around with your folly. You're not going to find it in the center of your sin, church. You will only find it when you are well-pleasing to the king. When you're living in obedience and walking in obedience and doing what the king has told you to do. This is what we have to understand. The favor of the father didn't follow the prodigal son, and it won't follow us either, church. He allows us to become so separated that we will turn from our ways and make our way back home. I don't know how many. Obviously, all of us at some point have been there. All of us at some point have been there. Where the father has let us get so low 
He's let us get so deep into darkness that we've got nothing left to do but to cry out to God and say, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. And then we make our way back home where the favor of the Father is waiting, where the blessings of the Father is waiting, where the fatted calf is waiting, where the royal robe is waiting. Why would God take a robe of righteousness and dip it into a pig pen? He wouldn't. You, we've got to come out, church. That's what happened with the son. We've got to do. Now, listen to me. Don't, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. The forgiveness of God will follow you wherever you go. The forgiveness of God, the Bible says, will follow you all the way down to the pits of hell. And it'll take you back out and it'll restore you to the Father. I'm not talking about forgiveness. I'm talking about favor. There's a huge difference. The favor, the forgiveness of God will follow you no matter how far away you wander from God. But His favor won't. We've got to come back. We've got to come to our senses and repent and come back to the Father in order to receive the favor that we have lost, church. Understand that once his son attached himself to a foreigner, his father had no obligation to provide for him, like I said. No obligation to reach out, no obligation to take care of him. And so often, listen, so often we do that as parents. We don't let our kids learn. We don't let God do his thing in our kids' lives, church. We bail them out left and right. I've done it with my own kids. My dad did it with me. But sometimes we've got to let the loved one go so far that the Father will bring them back home. Sometimes we hinder the work of God. We, we, we think we can do better than God. We think we can, we can reach them better than God can. Or teach them a lesson better than God can. When God needs to bring sometimes, got to bring them a little bit lower. But listen, when we attach ourselves to this world, when we attach ourselves to sin, like I said, we do so at our own risk. But when we are pleasing to the king, and here's where the story takes a turn. When we are pleasing to the king, the favor of the king will follow us wherever we go. When we are pleasing to the king, the favor of the king, church, will follow us wherever we go. When we are pleasing to the king, everything that the king has becomes available to you and me. When you're pleasing to the king, everything that the king has is available to you. When I'm pleasing to the king, everything that the kingdom has is available to me, church. David said, actually, that it would follow the faithful all of the days of their life. Understand the favor of the king followed Daniel all the way to a lion's den. And it'll follow you as well. It followed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all the way to a fiery furnace, and it'll follow you as well. It followed Moses through the Red Sea. It followed Joshua and Caleb through the the Jordan River, and it'll follow you and I as well. When we are well-pleasing to the king, his favor and his power and his authority and his provisions and his protection and his promises will follow you wherever you go. That's the favor of a king. When we're well-pleasing to the king church. Listen, when Nehemiah desired to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls of the city, like one of our series was all about how he went to rebuild the gates and the city walls. When Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city walls, like we've learned, he first had to get the king's permission. He first had to get the king's approval, church, and the king's blessing in order to go out and build and go out and do what he desired to do. He had to get the king's permission in order to be successful. Unfortunately, permission is something we hate to get. 
We hate to get it as children. Children rarely today in today's society ask for the ask for parents' permission. They whine and complain until they get what they want. They stomp their feet until they get what they want. Rarely do children in today's society ask permission anymore. Employees, look at our society. Employees rarely ask permission from their boss anymore. They don't get what they want. They, they take it. They don't get what they want. They pick it and they walk out. If they, they, they rarely seek permission from their boss anymore. Well, you know, I work hard. I'll just take it. You got a lot of money. He won't miss that pencil. He won't miss that pad of paper. He won't miss that thing. He won't, he won't miss. You, you understand what I'm saying, church? Students rarely in today's society ask their teachers permission. They sue them for what they want instead. It's happening all over. Permission. And we're the same way when it comes to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We hate asking permission. But understand me. Part of our walk with the king should be, can I king? Can I king? May I king? May I please? You know, those are manners that we used to teach our kids. May I? Not, all you hear today is, I want, I want, I want, I want. Can I have? Can I have? What's happened to getting permission? We act the same way with the king of kings. We rarely ask permission anymore. We just do it and say, oh, I hope it's okay with God. God must, God will be okay with it. It's not, you know, we, sometimes we make our own decisions and we fail to get permission of the king. We'd rather do what's right in our own eyes, church. We'd rather walk in our own ways. We'd rather make our own decisions. We'd rather lean on our own understanding. We would rather do as we please than ask, may I please? It's what's happening in the kingdom of God. And we wonder why we end up in such a mess. We wonder why we can't find the favor of the king because we've never even asked the king. Can I do this? Can I do that? Can I go here? Can I go there? I wonder how many people ask for the king's permission about dating today. I wonder how many people ask the king, may I date this person? May I date that person? Can I marry this person? Can I marry that person? Can I enter into this ministry? Can I step out of this ministry? Can I go here and can I go there? Can I do this, God, and can I do that, God? Do you want me to go or do you want me to stand still? I wonder how many of us today are asking the permission of the king. We take it upon ourselves to start ministries and then we complain that God's not prospering them. Because we've never asked his permission. We walk out of ministries and we walk out of churches and we walk out of marriages and we walk out of relationships without ever getting the permission of the king. And then we wonder why his favor is not coming into our lives. We wonder why our lives are devolving into complete chaos, church. Because we're not being governed by the king and we've not asked permission from the king. You see, you and I need to remember we don't belong to ourselves. We better ask the king everything about our life. You want to make it, you want to make an investment? It's not your money. It's God's. You better ask Him what you should do with it. You want to spend money on a car? You want to spend money on a house? You want to spend money on clothes? Guess what? It's not your money. You better ask the King if you can buy it. You understand what I'm saying, church? I don't mean to be anarchist or tyrannical. But you and I need to understand that we don't belong to ourselves. Everything we have belongs to the king. We've got to ask permission. But we'd rather live unto ourselves. If it feels good, do it. That's the society we live in, and we reflect that as Christians all day long. But we've got to change that, church. We've got to ask permission. Look, Nehemiah 
understood he needed the king's approval and the king's permission to go. Nehemiah wasn't about to go against the king's will. Nehemiah wasn't about to move against the king's command or the king's word or the, or the, the government of the king. Because Nehemiah knew that if, if he did, Nehemiah understood if he moved against the will of the king... Nehemiah understood if he moved against the government of the king and the permission of the king, that, that, that the king's kingdom would move against him. I hope you understand the power of that statement, church, because so often we do the same exact thing. So often we do the same exact thing when it comes to the kingdom of God, and we wonder why we're not making headway. We wonder why it's, it seems like we're facing one opposition after the other opposition after the other opposition, church, because we so often, even as Christians, are moving against the kingdom. So often when we fail to obey the king and seek permission from the king, when, when we so often fail to yield to the word of the king, we find ourselves moving in opposition to the kingdom. What you and I need to realize is the kingdom of God moves in one direction only, and it's towards the king. The kingdom of God never stops advancing, church. We might, but the kingdom of God never stops moving, and it only moves in one direction, and it is toward the king. And the reality is, if you stop moving toward the king, you're in the way of the kingdom. If I stop moving towards the king, king, I'm in the way of the kingdom. The kingdom will keep moving, and that's exactly what happens. So often, we stand around, not moving towards the king, and the kingdom of God is moving against us instead of us moving with the kingdom. We must move with the kingdom of God towards the king each and every day, or we're going to find the kingdom moving against us, church. I hope you understand that. The last thing I want is the kingdom of God moving against me. The last thing I want is the kingdom of the king of kings moving against my life. I want to move with the kingdom so that I can flow with the kingdom, church, and have his blessings come into my life. The kingdom of God moves in one direction. Listen, Nehemiah said this. He said, if it pleases the king, then he made his request. He said, if I have found favor in your sight, O king... Then he made his request. Then he sought the permission. Then he sought favor from the king. And so often we leave that, we leave those questions out of our relationship with God when we go to ask him things. So often we leave that out. We live our lives like we want to live and we do what's right in our own eyes. We don't go before the Lord and say, if it pleases the king. We don't go before the Lord and say, if, it finds, if, if I have found favor in your sight, Lord, then here's my request. You see, we live however we want and then think we can come boldly before his throne room of grace and find help in his time of need. We love to claim that. Oh, he's told me to come boldly before the throne room of grace so that I can find help in my time of need. I hope you understand he was talking about the individual that was well-pleasing to him. I hope you understand that he was talking about the individual that has his priorities in order, that has yielded himself to the government of God. That's the person that can come boldly before the throne room of grace to find help in their time of need. It's the person that has come to that place of repentance and then opens that door for the kingdom of God to come into their life. Nehemiah was not about to ask for what he knew he didn't deserve. Nehemiah was not about to ask for what he knew he didn't deserve, church. He wasn't going to ask for what his life and service didn't qualify him for. 
Please understand, I clearly understand that it is not by works that we are saved. It's not a performance that we have to put on for salvation. Don't think I'm confusing the two. What I want you to understand is there is such a thing as the unmerited favor of God, and it was demonstrated through His Son, Jesus Christ. But I also want you to understand that there are merited favors that you and I can receive from the King of kings and Lord of lords. There's unmerited favor, and there is merited favor. Look at the New Testament. When, it talk, when Jesus talks about the Beatitudes, he's talking about blessings that will come into a specific group of individuals' lives. That's called merited blessings. In the Old Testament, when God said, see, I placed before you today a blessing and a curse, a blessing if you do these things and a lack of blessings if you don't, he was placing before his people merited favor. There is unmerited favor and there is merited favor. And we need to learn to distinguish between the two. Just because I have the unmerited favor of God in my life, just because I pleaded the blood of Jesus Christ over my life, doesn't mean that His kingdom, everything about His kingdom, is going to come pouring into my life. I've got to learn what it means to be a son or a daughter. I've got to learn what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom. And as I begin to conform myself to those standards that have been established by the king, then guess what? The kingdom gets bigger in my life. The kingdom gets wider and the blessings get bigger and the favor becomes greater in my life. Just because I confess and receive Jesus in my life doesn't mean that everything God has for me is automatically going to be dumped into my life. It won't. There are things we must earn, church, in our spiritual walk with God. It's the same thing goes in your marriage. If you want the favor of your spouse, you've got to be well-pleasing to your spouse. You think, gentlemen, if you act like a, a, a no-good, good-for-nothing in your marriage that you're going to have your wife's favor, forget it. it. If you want favor from your parents, you better be well-pleasing to your parents. If you want the favor of your kids, you better be well-pleasing to your kids. If you want favor from your boss, you better be well-pleasing to your boss. Don't punch in late and punch out early and go ask for a raise. Nehemiah was not about to ask the king for, for something he knew he didn't deserve. And yet we do it all the time. We walk in our own ways, we do what's right in our own eyes, and we want spiritual bonuses, and we want spiritual uh, 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 raises, and we want spiritual blessings to be bestowed upon our life, and we want earthly ones too. We want the kingdom of God to come into our lives without yielding ourselves to the kingdom in the process, church. I hope you're understanding this. Nehemiah was not about to ask for something he didn't deserve, and yet we do it all the time. Listen, God, the Bible says, is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's talking here about merited favor. He is a rewarder. Listen, the reward rewarder means he is a giver of bonuses, a giver of raises, a giver of blessings, a giver of rewards. To who? To those who diligently seek Him. He didn't say, I'm going to reward those who conveniently seek me. Oh, when it's good for me, God, I'll seek you. When the weather's good, I'll seek you. When the weather's bad, I'll seek you because I won't be going here and I won't be going there. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him, church, not conditionally seek Him. God, if you do this, I'll do that. If you do this, then I'll do that. 
He's, he doesn't reward that kind of individual church. He's not a rewarder of those who half-heartedly seek him or don't seek him at all. He is a rewarder, a giver of raises, a giver of bonuses, a giver of blessings, a giver of rewards to those who seek him with all of their heart, church, who have their priorities straight, who have yielded to the government of God, to those who have, have made the, the word of the king the ultimate and only source of authority in their life. That's who he rewards, church. Unfortunately, so often, I, I, it, it may seem funny to you, it may seem strange to you, but I wonder sometimes, when the prodigal son was sitting there in the pig pen, how often he thought about what he used to eat. I think sometimes what the prodigal son must have been thinking Wondering why he couldn't have filet mignon while he was sitting there with the pigs. I wonder sometimes if he ever thought, why can't I, my father just spread a banqueting table on top of this pig trough while I'm here? And the reality is he can't and he won't. Because if his father did, listen, if his father served him filet mignon while he was in a pig pen, he would have never made his way back to the banqueting table. Never. And the same thing goes with you and I. And the reality is so often we want the filet mignon while we're playing with pigs. So often we want God's banqueting tables spread out in our lives while we're fiddling around with our folly, while we're making love to the world. And, and, and we wonder why the favor of God and the blessings of God and the fullness of God isn't coming into our lives. It's because he's trying to get you back home. It's because he's trying to get you back to the father. It's because he's trying to get you unyoked from the foreigner church. This is what you and I under, understand. But what I want to get back to real quick before we close is that when it came to Nehemiah's request to rebuild the city walls in Jerusalem, the king not only gave him permission to go. The king didn't just say when Nehemiah went to the king and said, King, if I... If, if it's pleasing to the king, if my life is pleasing to the king, if I've demonstrated loyal to the king, if my service has been acceptable to the king, this is what Nehemiah was saying. If, if my life and my service and my loyalty and my humility, if, if everything about me has been accepting to you and pleasing to you, then he laid out his request to go to Jerusalem and rebuild the city walls. And because he found favor in the eyes of the king, because his life was well pleasing, the king didn't just Say, okay, go, Nehemiah. Go. You can go. You know what he did? He not only did he say go, he, he gave him letters. He gave him a stack of letters. And some of those letters were to be given to all of the governors of the lands through which Nehemiah would travel. And what the king was saying to Nehemiah is, Nehemiah, I'm not just going to tell you to go. Here's some letters. And when you get into these territories through which you must travel, I want you to give these letters to the governor of those cities because this letter will assure you safe passage. This letter 
will protect you. This letter will watch after you. This letter will come against any enemy that comes against you. This letter, Nehemiah, will get you where you want to go. This letter will fulfill the request that you have made to me. I want you to understand that when you're pleasing to the king, the king gives you letters of safe passage. I want you to understand that when you're pleasing to the king, the king issues you letters to get you where you're going. When you ask God permission to do something, he'll make sure you have what you need to get it done. When you ask God permission to go somewhere, he'll make sure he gives you what you need to get where you're going. It's exactly what he gave to Nehemiah. Not only did those letters contain a promise to Nehemiah, they contained consequences for anyone that would not do what the king said. If Nehemiah went into a territory and they disobeyed the word of the king, that person would suffer the the consequences. And this is what you need to understand, that when you and I are pleasing to the king, he gives us everything we need to get where we're going. When you and I ask permission of the king, church, he doesn't just say go, he goes with you. He goes with you. Understand that that letter that Nehemiah had represented the government of the king. Everything that that kingdom contained went with Nehemiah. The power of the king went with him. The authority of the king went with him. The wisdom of the king went with him. The protection of the king went with him. God will never call you to go anywhere that he won't go with you. And when he gives you permission to go... He gives you everything you need to go there. Please understand, when you take the time to ask the king's permission, he takes that seriously. He won't ever just say, if you take the time to tell the king, ask the king, he's not going to just say, okay, you can go. But guess what? You're going on your own. He won't do that. He goes with you. He gives you everything that you need to get where you're going, church. One of the things, the other thing that you and I need to understand is that not only, church, did Nehemiah get a letter of protection, Nehemiah was given a letter of provision as well. And when you read all through Nehemiah and you read about his travels and you read about his request, not only was he given those letters to give to the governors, he was always also given letters to give to the keepers of the forests. So that Nehemiah could get everything he needed to build the walls. Everything he needed to build the doors. You see, all Nehemiah had to do was take the letter of the king to the keeper of the forest and say, I need some wood today. I need some oak. I need some cedar. I need some Lebanon. And the keeper of the forest had to give it to him. Why? Because he had a letter from the king. Why? Because he was well-pleasing to the king. Because he found favor in the eyes of the king. You see... I need some stone today, keeper of the forest. And the keeper of the forest had to give it to him. I need some marble today. I need some granite today. I need some gold today. I need some silver today. I need to do, I I need some iron today. Are you understanding what I'm saying? I need some dirt today, whether it's something cheap or whether it's something expensive. I want you to understand when you, when you uh, get the permission of the king, not only do you get his protection, you get his provisions as well. The cupboard won't be bare. You won't have to beg. All you got to do is say, remember, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It all belongs to the king. It's why the king could issue a letter. 
understand that when you are, when you ask, like, let, let me put it this way. When it came, when it comes to building this, uh, new sanctuary that we're looking at building, the very first thing we gotta do is ask God His permission. And when God gives us permission, as He did, He's gonna give us the protection that we need. He's gonna make sure we got everything we need to get it done. And He's already issued some letters of provision. That we can have what we need to make sure it's done. And he's going to do the same thing in your life as well. That's what the favor of the king is, church. It brings the substance of the kingdom into our lives. So we're one of two people tonight. We are either experiencing the favor of the king or we're wondering where the favor is. I mean, that's really where we live. We will either live experiencing the favor of the king or we wonder where the favor of the king is at. And if we're here tonight and we're wondering where the favor of the king is, the first thing we've got to be willing to ask the king is, have I been pleasing to you, king? Is there something that I've done wrong? Is there something that I'm missing? Is there something that I'm lacking? Just today, an individual in this family of God shared a testimony with me. Very similar type thing. Couldn't figure out where some money was going to come from. Overwhelmed by some financial responsibilities and obligations. And this individual took the time to go before the king and say, King, why am I not finding your favor? Why am I not? Why? Why is there something that's missing or lacking in my life? The very same day or the next day, he gets everything that he needs in a bonus and in a raise out of the blue from his boss. Business is down, business is slow, and he gets everything that he needs because he went before the king. Understand, church, when we go before the king and we are acceptable to the king and we are well-pleasing to the king, he will give us everything we need, church, to make it through life, to get where we're going. And I hope you're trying to get where I'm trying to get, and that's back to the kingdom of God. And when you and I find favor with the king and are pleasing to the king, Nothing will keep us from getting where we're trying to go. Amen. How many of you want the favor of the king tonight? I want you to stand to your feet. And this is what you're going to pray with me. If if we have the favor of the king and we have the abundance of the king, we need it every day. We don't just need it today. Every single day, church, I believe our prayer should be. If it pleases the king. And if I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, these are the needs I have today. God, I'm not about to ask you for something I know my life doesn't deserve. Understand there's two ways that we can look at that. None of us deserve anything. You can live as good a life as you want. You can live as pleasing to the Lord all you want. And in all reality, we don't deserve anything. It's only because of the goodness of God. But I hope you understand what I'm saying. The reality is we can't go live like we want and then come before the king asking for something we know we don't deserve. Because we've not yielded to the king. We've not devoted ourselves to the king. We've not sought permission for the king. So tonight, maybe some of you need to do that. Tonight, maybe some of you got to do something that's pleasing to the king. Maybe some of you got to turn around. Maybe some of you got to start asking permission for the king. But I know what you're all standing here tonight saying, I need the king's favor in my life. Something I want to build, something I want to do, somewhere I want to go. And I'm not going to do it without God's permission. So, God, I'm seeking you tonight. And I hope I find favor in your sight. If you don't, you ask for forgiveness. If you don't, you ask to make everything right. We're going to do that in our prayer. But I want you to do that specifically as well as we pray. 
Father God, I just thank you for your spirit, which is in this place tonight. I thank you, Father God, for your word. I thank you for the truths and the lessons, Father God, the revelations that you want to give us. I thank you, Father, that there is a kingdom that you have available to every one of us as sons and daughters of the Most High God. I thank you, Lord, that we don't have to wait until we see you in glory to experience what that kingdom has and what that kingdom consists of. Jesus himself prayed, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. So, Father, that's what we want. We're praying that your kingdom, Father, that the favor of your kingdom and the blessings of your kingdom and the provisions of your kingdom and the protection of your kingdom, God, and the promises of your kingdom and the fullness of your kingdom would be able to come into our lives, God, that we could experience kingdom living here on earth. God, I know it's not a pipe dream. I know it's not impossible because I know it's in your word. And you're teaching us how we can experience that in our lives. And one of the ways we can experience your kingdom in our lives, God, is to be well-pleasing to you. And that's our prayer this evening, God. That we would be well-pleasing in your sight. God, that we would examine ourselves in such a way that we would never begin to ask for things we know we don't deserve. God, let us not make our way into the pig pen and then ask for the the fullness of your kingdom to come. Let us not make our way to the center of sin and then wonder, God, why your favor is not found in our life. So, God, if we need forgiveness in our life, we ask for it this evening, God. If we've wandered away, we ask that you would forgive us, God. If we're not in the light, if we're not in the way, if if we've yoked ourselves to a stranger in a strange land, God, I pray that we would repent tonight and return to the Father so that we could find your favor. Teach us, God, what it means to be sons and daughters of the Most High God, separated from this world and consecrated unto you. I thank you, God, that you have favor available for us. I thank you that you have letters, God, of provision waiting for us. Letters, God, of protection waiting for us. Letters of promise. Letters of of supernatural deeds available to every one of your children, God. I pray that we would be well-pleasing in order to receive them. I pray that we can say, as Nehemiah did, church, if it please the king... And if we find favor in your sight, then we shall present our requests and our needs to you. And then we can have the confidence that you'll meet them, Father God, and provide them to us. Go with your people, Father, this evening as they go. Help us all to, Father, walk in your ways and not our own. To yield ourselves to your wisdom and not our own understanding. To consecrate ourselves, Father God, to the government of God and the word of the King so that your kingdom can come into our lives. And all of God's people said, Amen. Can we bless the Lord, church, this evening? Amen. Amen.